Okay. All right. There we go. Wait, I got to clear my throat and cough. <clears> throat> All right. And then I'm ready. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Iacon Underground Patreon special for September 2018. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. And uh, this month, in honor of uh, its return to theaters uh, for one night only, or actually, it's two nights now? Well, it, it's one night in America, and it's a different night in Canada for some reason. Okay. okay. I think they they did, like, extend, they expanded the number of theaters that were showing it. Uh, but it, they didn't, like, add another night. They just added a bunch more theaters. Okay. Anyway, yeah, Which we're t- made me sad because one of the ones they expanded it to was one that I would rather go to than the one that they had in the first round, but I guess I got tickets now. <laughs> uh, we are talking about, of course, Transformers the Movie from 1986. Dun, uh, dun, 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 dun. First off, <laughs> okay. did any of us see this in the theater when it originally came out? Oh, yeah. I wanted to. Uh, I, uh, I saw a trailer for it in front of My Little Pony, the movie, uh, which I did see in the theater. Uh, but unfortunately, I, we didn't really go to the theater that much when I was a kid. Uh, but, uh, when it was released on video, uh, which must have been in the summer because it, like, my mom took me to the video store to rent it, like, the day it came out. And it was, like, a Tuesday, I think. And then I, like, hung out at her work, which also happened to be, which was a small business owned by my grandmother, uh, and hung out in the break room and watched it, like, three times. Uh, David, did you see it in the theater? Yeah, but I, I know I saw it in the theater, because I remember seeing it before it was on TV, because... I eventually got the VHS much later. So I know I saw it in the theater, but I don't entirely remember that well. Like, I've heard people say, oh, they remember crying when Optimus Prime... Spoilers, Optimus Prime dies. You remember crying? I I didn't, and I just don't remember. I remember more about seeing Godzilla 1985 in a theater and crying at the end of that when Godzilla falls in the volcano. <laughs> Okay, well, I I was a, a literal infant when this came out, but I did eventually see a Tommy Kennedy hosted screening on TV. Oh, the second screen with uh, yes. yeah, with with Tommy Kennedy and the giant terrifying Optimus Prime puppet. Yeah, at that point they had moved uh, they had moved the syndicated you know uh, showings of it to like five thirty in the morning where I lived. Uh, so, you know, a precursor to today's Cartoon Network, uh, showings. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but I would get up, uh, before everyone else when it was still a little bit dark and I would sit there like two feet in front of the great big TV, uh, with my cat and my cat would actually like watch things going across the screen. It was, it was pretty adorable. Uh, but, but yes, I, I definitely caught the Tommy Kennedy version once or twice. Oh, I remember seeing the version before that. The, the first time, at least the first time they aired it, at least in the New York City area, and they left shit in. Oh, oh yeah. That I distinctly remember watching as, as, as a child. Oh. There was one or two times it came on just like, you know, the independent, now probably 
certainly Fox, either Fox or WB station in the area, uh, just showed it as like a Saturday afternoon movie once or twice. Uh, and it was just like came out of, you know, I, I wasn't paying attention to the TV schedules. So it's just on and I like, Oh boy, I'm very excited. <laughs> I was very excited. Anyway, so uh, we have decided to uh, discuss it on tonight's episode with a twist. <laughs> we did not watch it before discussing it. <laughs> yes, it's, um, it's an I mean, idea we, we've had, um, I think, since we started doing this. Yes. Like, it was a thing, like, someday we'll do. And I don't... Yeah. Has anybody watched it since we started doing this podcast? I have not. Yes, I, I okay, ruined it. Uh, I did watch it at the beginning of this year, uh, because I had to put off getting the Blu-ray for a little bit. Uh, so I finally got that, like, right after New Year's or so, and, and watched it then. And that was after we had been talking about it, so... So I ruined it, but I had to watch it. It had... Okay. And, well, it, it, it's still been a while, like, I haven't... I don't think I've watched it since I got the Blu-ray, which came out like two years ago, just about. No, actually, I think it was September that it came out like two years ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was right around my birthday. I, it, I haven't opened my Blu-ray, so unless I watched it on the DVD, my old D one of the two old DVDs I have of it, I don't think yes. I've seen it in two years at least. Yes. I'm pretty sure I eventually tossed my like... VHS tape I got of it from like the dollar shelf of Suncoast or the ten dollar oh. shelf. Was it a clam shell? The ten dollar shelf? No, it was oh, before oh, okay. the clam shell. If it was a clam shell, I'd be mad at you right now. <laughs> that one I think I eventually did get, but I, I don't know. I'd have to go through my box of. I didn't. Okay, I didn't keep a lot of VHS the last time I moved. Uh, most of what I kept was stuff that is absolutely never going to be back in print again, uh, yeah. like Clash of the Bionoids, <laughs> uh, which if you're not familiar with that, uh, all I have to say is Harmony Gold. Oh, fuck Harmony uh, Gold, but it's, it's still having to keep it around. Don't give uh, them any more money, they've gotten enough. It was, it was one of those, like, G1 Jetfire sort of things where someone had done a translation and release of uh, Macross Do You Remember Love uh, and released it and then Harmony Gold was like no we own the rights to everything that ever looked vaguely like a Macross uh, and so yeah that's never going to see the light of day again uh, and also Lensman <laughs> because, oh, yeah, because Lensman also Harmony Gold uh, so yeah I think I finally got, a, got rid of the VHS copy uh, that I got off the $10 shelf at Suncoast in, like, 1993? It was right when G2, the G2 toys were showing up. Like, the post-Christmas restocking that, that brought the G2 toys, uh, in, into stock. Uh, so, yeah, that, it was pretty worn out. I, uh, I watched it a lot. <laughs> So anyway, we, uh, so we are all doing this entirely from memory, uh, some slightly better than other. I didn't even listen to the soundtrack prior to this. Uh, I listened to bits of it on my walk today, oh, or okay. in the morning in a drive, and so, which was making me drive and walk a little faster. <laughs> it, it <laughs> yes. Yeah, do not drive and stand bush. 
Well, it, uh-huh, it was one I of love the, driving um, to Stan Bush. I think it was um, Till All Are One, the Vince DeCole and Stan Bush <gasps> like, recent remix thing, which was the only one okay. I could find in MP3 format. I thought I had the soundtrack soundtrack in MP3, but I guess I don't. I just have it. That's like, weird that that's the on, only one yes. you could you could find. I assume you mean well, like in your have, personal collection? Yeah, my personal collection. That's the only MP3 okay. ones I could. Well, that and um, uh, Vince DeCole's re- his piano remix ones, which are definitely yes. different. I mean, I have individual songs like Dare to be Stupid and, and probably The Touch and Dare, but I didn't have the entire soundtrack that I could find this morning. Okay. I, I okay. was I was thinking, like, that is not on Spotify, is what I was no. thinking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we, so we opened with our production logos. You got Marvel Productions and uh, also uh, DEG, De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. Yes. Do with a lion. Because when a Optimus a die, everybody cry. But when the Jaws a die, a nobody a cry. <laughs> what? You remember the production logos? I mean, how can I forget Dino De Laurentiis? I, 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 I remember the lion. I, yeah. Anyway, Dino De Laurentiis yeah. is like a, I mean, he's, he's dead now, but he was like a notorious kind of schlockmeister. Like after yeah, Jaws so- came out, he made first, um, he made Orca. Oh, which, which is a, kind of a good movie, but it's very much a B movie, but it's better than it should be. It's better than most of I the mean, Jaws I mean, Bo Derek gets her leg bitten off by an orca. Well. Yes. Well, yeah, and gonna... uh, he also made the 70s King Kong. Oh. With the, with the oh. giant robot Kong that mostly didn't work. Wait. Oh, good job. right. Good job. Yeah. Wait, did he it's also got, make uh, that? G- was he also involved in the sequel, which I find far superior? Because it's goofier? I, I think so, yes. And, and okay. I mean, what he eventually became known for is he snapped up the rights to the Hannibal Lecter books. Ah. So he made Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah, hey, give was... me a second. We need to hold on for a second because my cat seems to be needing to be escorted outside. Okay. Bye, Ravage. I will, I will be right back. He is being Rah. difficult. I remember the production yes, logo. On, what the fuck? I ha- uh, you, you may have noticed this, but I have a, a very good memory for totally useless crap. Uh, but, well, we all do. It's kind of my thing. That, that's kind of the thing for most of the people we know in the Transformers fandom. We well, like yes. nitpicky things. Just remembering, like, titles is something weird. Like, I remember the, the how the logo looks for the movie with the swirly circle in the middle, but I don't remember exactly when that comes, how far into the movie. Yeah, it's uh, DEG, De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. But anyway, his big thing was, uh, I guess, you know, when when King Kong came out, he, this might be apocryphal, but he said, you know, uh, when the Jaws a die, nobody a cry. But when uh, when Con- King Kong a dies, uh, everybody a cry. That, I'm pretty sure, is a bullshit quote, but it's a really good quote. It's, it's, it's hilarious, and uh, I will, I will take it. And okay. And my throat is sweet for cat. <laughs> ah, well, I can cut out this gargling. Oh my god! I swear to God, the front door was wide open, and he still made me walk him all the way to the back door. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the cat entrance. Sure. So, uh, so we open in space. And before time began, there was the cube. No, not the cube, the sphere. 
I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, the, actually, watching the uh, Michael Bay movies has replaced all of my memories of this movie with those movies. I no. would probably kill myself. So I'm just going to be talking about Shia LaBeouf for the remainder of the episode. No. Well, it was still when it was good, Shia LaBeouf, I guess. But but no, uh, no, we, I I kid. Be glad you live in Canada, or I would have to to find <laughs> you and and hurt you. Uh, no, but we uh, we open in space. the The animation for this movie is very nice. It's so pretty. They clearly so spent good. a lot of money on it, and they did not make any of it back. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I mean, they might have by now. Oh, they definitely buy now. I wonder like, if it's broken even at this point. Like, well, because um, the the first shot just because is, inflation was originally part of the test footage they made before the movie, which was stuck together in like a little trailer thingy. And not all of that animation is in the movie itself. It's just that the awesomest parts, like the opening, all the Unicron shit, are from this test footage, which was done way better by. Production company, I don't know. I'm not looking at. <laughs> I'm not looking it up. All oh, right, because uh, there are uh, bits in that. Like, pro- they probably have I think some they might have outsourced it? some of it. Yeah, because well, with most big animation things, like you have the main house, and for like you're doing a movie, you're going to outsource chunks of the movie to other places. You just, you start with the storyboards and, and the basics, and just farm out chunks. Yeah, so you have like. Five production committees on one show. Which usually for a TV show, it's like it's each episode is farmed out, but for a movie, you gotta cobble it all together. Anyway, anyway. so there, there is a big, ginormous, weird looking planet just traveling through space. Um, it attacks this planet full of robot guys, and the, from what I can recall, like this is a very nicely animated scene of, you know, just people hanging out on yeah. this robot planet. It's yeah, very the, pretty. There's the like it's a city, playing. and yeah. yeah, there's like some little robot kids chasing each other. And the most striking thing about this opening is that there's no, no talking until like one of them sees the planet. It's Arbulus, look, it's Unicron. Yeah, and of and note here, like, these guys know who Unicron is. Nobody else in the movie does. <laughs> yeah, and apparently they, like, given how they were, like, I mean, there's not people on the street holding, like, sandwich boards saying the end is nigh. There's, like, they're going about their business. It's this bustling robot city. Uh So they seem to know who, okay, at least this guy knows who he is. Yes. I suppose it's possible they didn't bother telling anyone else that this <laughs> world-eating monstrosity is coming. Uh, but basically well, what I'm know? saying is they seem to know who he is, but the citizenry is not exactly prepared. Yeah, they no. don't know he's coming, they just know he exists, so is he like a myth? But is... It's weird. And it's especially weird, given that these guys know, but given the centrality of Unicron to the Transformers mythos that would later come about. None of the Transformers know who this guy is. Yeah, it's what... Uh, One of the interesting... Okay, so as... Speaking of the movie as a whole, it's very interesting that there are some aspects of it that are really, really well done and clearly had a lot of love go into them. And there are some aspects like the plot uh, that are much less so. 
uh, that just seem to have been kind of thrown out there. And it's very interesting seeing how the different, especially because, like, the cartoon versus the comic took very different approaches to integrating... Basically trying to explain all the crazy <laughs> shit that happens in this movie for yeah, no and, apparent reason. And I'd say that uh, the comic does it better because it made it more mythic instead of some alien made him because of what the fuck. Uh, that, that's outside the movie. Inside the movie. I would we have- say that the the comic version is a lot more interesting as a story and the cartoon version seems a mock. A lot more like sci-fi, yeah. but that's kind of the third season as a whole is yeah. tries to be like hard sci-fi yeah. sometimes. Tries Which to works except for that. It, it, Maybe mushyish, including the reaction shots of everybody staring up at this planet. There's one li- like the lithons have a rather standard angular design, except for one dude who turns around and is wearing like. A helmet. He looks like a metal hero from a Japanese tokusatsu show. And yes, like he does. He's in an action pose. It's like, what is he doing? He doesn't look like a lithone. His head shape is different. He looks more humanoid. It's like, it, is he like their galactic guardian on that planet? And it's like, oh, this is the worst day because, oh shit, that's not the bad guy I was expecting. He's way yeah, better. They, they had, he's like their Green Lantern and he just totally beefed it. Yeah. I mean, none of this matters because they all gonna die. Yes, except for one dude who gets away. Uh, that is, yes. is that Arbalus? Or is that the- I uh, believe- Kranix? Yes. Other- Kranix. Oh yeah, that's- one of them's That's Arbalus' friend Kranix. Okay. Presumably. I mean, we can only guess as to what their actual relationship is. Yeah, I can't remember exactly which guy- Co-worker. But anyway, one guy gets away, everybody else just gets hella eaten. Yes. Um, we get a bunch of cool interior shots of Unicron. Oh, and the then chomping and the chewing and the glowing TVs. Um, There's definitely just somebody making ow, ow, ow. It's probably Welker. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. <laughs> probably. Either that or they just put a mic on Orson Welles during lunch. <laughs> I was gonna say if it's Orson Welles, it's like the most amazing Orson Welles moment in history. <laughs> oh yes. There's a French fry stuck in my beard. oh poor orson wells and then cut to the hair medalliest uh version of the transformers theme ever recorded which is super goofy but i enjoy it it's lion that does it yes that's right who we're sort of there's like a streak of mid 80s movies that they did soundtrack music for because they also did it for uh, the Wraith, the Charlie oh, Sheen yes. ghost car movie. Which, uh-huh. and, again, not a good movie, but an entertaining movie. No, and um, Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, part four, the final, wait, which one is that? That's the one where Jason dies for the first time. Okay. Oh, I and I think Corey Feldman is in it. Oh, yes! Yay! Yes, I, I guess I have seen that one. I don't remember the music, though. I remember the music in the next one. Oh, and that's also, Roy. that's also the one with uh, Crispin Glover. Oh. Where he's oh, looking Chris. for a oh, corkscrew and then gets yeah. murdered, and he dances amazingly. Yeah. 
Anyway, yeah. I assume before he gets murdered. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and we get our first look at our big name cast. Yes, <laughs> which is surprisingly actually big. Like they're people yeah. you would have heard of. So you got uh, yeah, you got Judd Nelson, fresh off The Breakfast Club, as Hot Rod. Ooh. Yay! You got Robert Stack, who I think this is in the sort of weird spot between Airplane and Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Yeah. Um, you got Lionel Stander playing Cup, who was an actual communist. And was uh-huh. like, what? Yeah, he was blacklisted for like decades. And then I did sweet. not know. All I know is he was on Heart to Heart. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm Max. I take care of the both of them. Because when these two met, it was murder. Much like okay. when Robert Wagner met Natalie Wood. <laughs> yeah. Too soon. Yeah, in fact, I even have it in my notes. Okay. Natalie Wood joke, too soon. <laughs> you took notes? Had it underlined in everything. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Uh, uh, you've got um, Micro Machines Man as Blur. Yeah. Yes. Um, damn it. It's, it's an Italian name, but I can never remember it. John Machida. John Machida. Oh, Machida. I don't know how to pronounce it. I just I've I've There's read one it. of those. Is it Spanish? I don't. I'm bad at languages. I'm. It's. I've seen pictures of this guy. It's definitely Italian. <laughs> well, he looks Italian. I remember that. That's fair. Yes. But that, that, that like does, he, he always means that. He looks like the third Mario brother. <laughs> yeah. But I grew up in Jersey. Like, there's a fine line sometimes between dude who looks really Jewish. Oh, he's Italian. Maybe I'm bad at that. Maybe. Uh, you've got Leonard Nimoy between Star Trek movies. <gasps> yes. I think I, this I, is between Search for Spock and Voyage Home. Well, it would have... Yeah, that would be why my father was interested in seeing this movie when it came out. Once I once I got home from that VHS, with that VHS tape for and, the uh, night, And this would not be his first foray into Transformers. Or, sorry, Ooh, it would not be his last works. foray into Transformers. Yes. In fact, uh, almost everybody who is still alive eventually came back to do something for Transformers. Uh, Robert Stack, oh, I think, that's... is the only one that didn't. Well, and Lionel Stander. Oh. And Orson Welles, but again, they all—they were all old well, and died. Yeah, I was going to say, well, didn't Lionel Stander die shortly after this? I th- well, and Orson Welles, I think, might have died before it came up, because yes, yeah, our yeah, final Orson cast member Welles is Orson Welles in his late stage... I will literally do anything for a paycheck career. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Leonard Nimoy actually had to finish, like, a couple of his lines. What? That is Supposedly, the legend. I don't know if that's ever been confirmed. Oh, okay. I suppose we'd have to get Leonard Nimoy at a... I guess we're never going to... I, I forgot he was dead until yeah, he's just dead. now. Yeah. Well, I, I think that it has been said that no, Nimoy didn't record anything. It's just because, like, the very last line of Unicron in the movie just sounds weird and reverb like it it sounds more Nimoy than uh, now I'm sad <laughs> now I'm sad and uh, there was a fairly recent Wells biography where Wells has a quote about saying something about how you know today I, I <laughs> yes. played a toy who who commits violence on other toys <laughs> yes and then at the end I'm destroyed <laughs> yes <sighs> poor guy Anyway, yeah, back to I mean, the beginning it's a of the movie. Fairly exciting cast for the mid '80s. I mean, it's yeah. definitely more expensive than the other Hasbro movies that came out. Yeah, who the, I mean, like, like I said, my my father was a big like 
Trekkie back in the 80s and definitely, actually, <laughs> I, I made him sit through Dark of the Moon. Uh, oh, <laughs> also had Leonard Nimoy. And when he starts pulling out the needs of the many, my dad was like, how dare they? It's <laughs> yeah. so offended. Yeah, cause, um, so, um, the G.I. So Joe movie had, um, was it? It, it had Don Johnson. Don um, Johnson, uh, a wrestler. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter as Sergeant yes. Slaughter. I was going to say other than Sergeant Slaughter. No, it was Sergeant and, Slaughter. And uh, Burgess Meredith, TV's Penguin. Oh, right. Yes. As a like a half snake guy with a lobster growing out of his eye. Yeah, I guess it's Bruce. <laughs> but it just had the three. And My Little Pony had, um, is it Andrea Martin or... Um, oh, it didn't it have like um, Danny DeVito? Yeah, Danny DeVito, but then it's, it's got like some notable, like, like Madeline Kahn, maybe. Maybe that was it. Um, now I want to look this, that up. I, this I can look up because it is not cheating. M- much more reasonable <laughs> than this movie that has like six names front loaded. Admittedly, half of them are character actors, but still. We're actually pretty much all but I one. I do of think characters. it's interesting that there are members. There are new characters who are voiced by people who are not like, were, who are like actual stock voice actors and yes. not like stars. Like, did they run out of budget to get like, I don't know, someone relevant at the time to play RC and Springer or? Yes, Madeline Kahn and Cloris Leachman. Ah, and oh. also Rhea Perlman and Tony Randall. And I'm not sure if it entirely counts as famous, but uh, that guy who played Bow- that guy uh, Bowser from Sha Na Na is oh. the Smooze. <laughs> but that's kind of which I will note: nothing can stop. Kind of comparable. Yes, that oh, is. We, we that also is forget. Wait, is is Eric Idle in the credits? Oh yes, Eric Idle. I forgot Eric Idle. Yeah, so he's like second to last. And that is post Monty Python movies. Well, yes, that is definitely a sort of, I mean, to be, I don't know how his, like, when did Faulty Towers? Well, he's not in Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers is, um. Or no, that's right, that's John Cleese. I don't, my brain is not um, great. This was probably before, oh, Splitting Airs, I think. This is much, uh, Splitting Airs is the 90s. This is uh, apparently between National Lampoon's European Vacation Oh, and uh the adventures of Baron Munchausen and oh, Nuns yeah. on the Run. Oh, Nuns on the Run. <laughs> Which is, I think that's him and Robbie Coltrane. Yes, it is. Playing nuns. Yeah, it's, um I know I've seen it. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> that's probably for the best. Robbie Coltrane's the one who's Hagrid, isn't he? Yes. Yes. Uh you're a nun, Harry. And he's also in Crow. <laughs> uh and uh, and um Goldeneye. Anyway, where he's he's Russian for some reason. Anyway, so uh most of the people in this not exactly on a career upswing, with the exception of Judd Nelson. Yeah, well, Eric Idle was like at the same level. I was gonna say I don't know that Judd Nelson's really. I mean, he was sort of peaked at this point. Yeah. Yes. Although, I mean, Nimoy I, would go on to do more Star Trek movies. Yes. And uh also direct Three Men and a Baby. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a movie. Which remains weird. It exists. 
don't know what you're talking about. It's yeah, an American remake of a French movie that mean manages to be less of a farce. Why? Anyway, so we we cut to Cybertron, and this immediately lets us know that it is the year two thousand five. Yes. So I have been, as I've mentioned before, heavily involved in the fan community for a long time. Uh, on uh, at at approximately twelve oh one a.m. on January first, two thousand five, uh, my phone had so many messages <laughs> from friends in the fandom. Just saying, it is the year 2005. <laughs> Just friends leaving voicemails with their best Vic Caroline impression, and yeah, it was, it's pretty great. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, it's a very memorable line, because it's just, okay, so it's not that it's a memorable line. It's just memorable that prior to that, there had been this huge epic scene with two lines of dialogue, one of which is Arbulus, look, it's Unicron, and the second of which is Kranix! Ah! As presumably Arbulus is... Yeah. So, so it's the actual first real line of dialogue. Yes. Yeah, so it's, well, it's not dialogue, it's narration. Uh, I say what? nitpickily. Uh, but, Voiceover. yeah, it's like the first big line that's like of the movie for real so it really carries a lot of weight it's really so the line itself is not exceptionally memorable except nowadays when it's like the far off future 13 <laughs> years ago yeah uh, but but yeah it's it's definitely like the delivery is very iconic yeah. and i think at one point it's an iconic line yeah. i think at one point this was supposed to take place in 2006 which is why that one uk transformer storyline is called transformers 2006 but i think they thought 2005 oh. sounded cooler even though that means it's <laughs> 19 years in the future yeah. <laughs> and that's just yeah i mean you don't want to have it 19 years in the future so anyway that uh you know the original cartoon is presumed to have taken place when it aired so we're jumping uh 19 years into the future uh, the Autobots have lost the war on Cybertron. They've been driven off it. They're now stuck on the moons. And I mean, that's a pretty big deal. The good guys yeah. have lost. Yes. And, uh, and, informed, and we are in fact informed of this by uh, Ironhide, who informs us that uh, every time I look into a monitor, <laughs> prime my circuit sizzle. <laughs> when are we going to start busting deceptive chops? And so yeah, they're 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 gonna send you know, Prime's there, they're gonna send a shuttle to uh to Earth with uh who's on that? That's you got Ironhide, you got Ratchet, uh you got Prowl, and you got Brawn. And yeah. so I'm going to say Brawn famously. Yes. There used to be like one of those big half joking fandom things about how Brawn couldn't possibly have been killed in this because he was way too tough and what happened to him wasn't nearly enough to take him down. And so in, in what I assume is a deliberate gag, there is a countdown for the shuttle launch and it is done by Cliff Jumper, who is voiced by famous DJ Casey Kasem. <laughs> yes. Known for counting things down. Yes. I mean, there's like no other real good reason to have Cliff Jumper specifically doing it. They could have gotten any random other Autobot. Or even a Cliff Jumper. It doesn't even need a countdown. Just launch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sadly, they cut out the bit afterwards in which he is saying how he, he can't stand coming out of a song, an up-tempo song, and I gotta talk about a goddamn dog dying. <laughs> <sighs> 
<laughs> and I and I want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. <laughs> anyway, so they they send the shuttle with a, a little energy on and a lot of luck, or the other way around, something. Yeah, but unfortunately for them, this whole thing has been recorded by Laserbeak, who reports back to uh, the Decepticons. Unlike most of my other warriors, Laserbeak, you never fail me. He says, elbowing <laughs> Starscream. He doesn't actually elbow Starscream. He's basically but elbowing he's, Starscream. Yeah, he's definitely metaphorically elbowing And I think there's a nice little bit of expression animation on Starscream here where he's just kind of, ah. <laughs> no, he's just like, hey. But, but yes. The, I, the animation of Laserbeak, like, you know, taking off and flying back to the Decepticons is really nice, too. So, uh, everything's going fine on this shuttle. Then suddenly the Decepticons bust in, and so does Instruments of Destruction. Yes! Oh, my favorite. By, is this, uh, this is, this is by NERG, I think. What? Yes. NRG Energy. This is, it's good. It's probably my favorite uh, song in the movie, cause, I don't know, I just ooh. like violent metal. And, and it's per, it's a perfect Decepticon <laughs> song. And, uh, yeah, uh, the tools of foul play. Bad news, none of these toys are being sold in 1986, so all four of these dudes die hideously. So oh, this is definitely, I... this whole thing, like, I don't know who the target audience for this, <laughs> like, where they were, what they were trying to do with this movie, as far as this sort of thing goes, cause like, a bunch of it is way more adult than you... Th I mean, these days, you've got, like, you know, kids buying stuff that's from PG-13 movies, and I feel like the the action <clears throat> figure age maybe skews more towards, like, middle school, because then they're, like, collector-y. But, but basically, at the time, I, like, I was, like nine seven i was seven and it's like <laughs> wow that's <laughs> i was basically i was pretty much right in you know maybe i wasn't necessarily like the gender they were going for but this movie comes off as a lot more like teenage geared uh -huh. than yeah I mean, these, some of these writers, I don't know, have been watching a lot of anime or something, like... Or they were just trying to aim a movie at the kids sneaking in to see Alien and Predator. Well, Predator wouldn't have been out yet. I mean, I wonder if maybe this is related to sort of the 80s phenomenon of basing, like, cartoons, toy lines on hard R-rated movies. Yeah, but that, I mean, it that could started have been after... That... Well, when did or that Rambo have... cartoon come out, though? Uh, oh, yeah, that might have been out. And there was, I mean, it wasn't like early 90s Kenner, but, oh man, early 90s Kenner. But it was like, I, I feel like the people making the movie were not really kept, like, as close to, like, the intended demographics as maybe something these days would be. And now this was like, a little after the the late seventies sort of you know quote adult feature animation like the Ralph Bakshi stuff, uh, I know you know anime was sort of 
a little bit, and I'm not even, I don't even mean like Robotech, I mean like Transor Z. Uh, apparently, I've, I've only really heard these in relation to like people at Marvel, but there were some people at Marvel involved with this stuff, but apparently there was like a TV station in New York City that was showing a lot of anime at the time, possibly not translated. Uh, so, so yeah, it's like, I'm not sure what the actual target audience was meant to be because it seems like it's not toy, like mid eighties toy age. Yeah, it goes because super it gets like super violent. It's super violent. There's cursing. It's rated PG, and that was like at the point where Disney had sworn off PG movies ah. because theirs had done so bad. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, it's really cool. I I appreciate because I hate happiness. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun to see a robot get shot and smoke just billow out of their mouth. That's Prowl, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's Prowl. It's like melted from the inside. Yeah. Ah, and like his eyes like glow and go out and oh my god, it's, yeah, and that's not something that we really saw in the cartoon before that. It was like a departure, and I did, I did feel like, I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned before how season three felt a lot more like it was trying to be actual sci-fi. Uh, <laughs> but prior to that, it really felt it was that sort of like, you know, we're writing this for a paycheck sort of writing. Uh, so yeah, I guess my, my point is, I don't know who this was meant for, but oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> well, uh, the Rambo cartoon came out in 86. Oh, okay. So, so it was around that time. Uh, also, a, a brief aside relating to going to see movies in the theater around this time, and also your mention of Alien. Uh, my my parents went to see Aliens in the theater, uh, which I recall because, again, they didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, uh, so it wasn't something that they did a lot. Uh, but But my mom said that she thought that someday I would probably appreciate it because of the GoBot at the end. <laughs> I remember this to this day specifically the GoBot at the end. <laughs> anyway. Alright, so they all they all get hideously murdered. Uh Ironhide survives long enough to sort of grab Megatron's angle and get shot in the damn face. <laughs> Such heroic, heroic nonsense. nonsense. And then they just hijack this uh the shuttle and head to Earth. Meanwhile, dun, 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 dun. meanwhile, on Earth, it's our... It does line up really well with the music yeah. in this scene. That, oh, that, this movie is almost wall-to-wall music. It One of my favorite aspects of the movie. It just doesn't stop. I mean, even the the score is just... I mean, it's very it's, much uh, like what Vince we would Decola. consider synthwave, oh, synthwave yes. these days. The which synthwave. It's so good. It's so good. It's it's amazing. It's just, I will say, you can, for the longest time, it was only available as a CD through BotCon back when 3H ran it. Uh, but they did eventually end up releasing pretty much exactly the same thing uh, a couple years ago. I think to coincide with the Blu-ray release. 
Uh, so mm. that is a thing that can actually be acquired, and I strongly recommend buying it, uh, especially if you don't have the old convention version, because it's <laughs> amazing. All right. So, uh, so yeah, we are introduced to the, the John Bender of the Transformers, Hot Rod, <laughs> voiced by Judd Nelson. And, uh, Daniel, who I is the that. annoying kid's, kid's son of former Autobot tagalong Spike Witwicky. Well, so thankfully he's barely I, in the movie, so. It's, it's worth noting that they, curse. that they went, like, Spike was always sort of like vaguely teenaged. Yeah. Where Daniel is clearly preteen, so that's you know, is a, is a difference. Yes, I mean he's he's definitely a he's he, this kid is not going to have a job on an oil rig. <laughs> well, no. uh, but he does have a a striking little jumpsuit with a little white jumpsuit with blue trim oh. and a little d on it. I mean that's what everybody wore back in uh you know 19 uh, 19 or sorry in 2005, right? <laughs> 2005. Yeah, 2005. Yeah, all silver jumpsuits. I remember that trend. Their initials on them, yeah. Retro. So they are you know they're fishing. Daniel misses his dad cuz he's off on one of the moon bases. Um he's also got a hoverboard because is this before is this at this is after Back to the Future Part 2, right? Yes. No. It's not. Wait. Part two was later in the nine or when in the eighties. When the hell did Top Back to the Future come out? God damn it! I don't remember. I remember the eighties. Wow, nineteen eighty nine. So this predates it by yeah. a long time. Wow. Yeah. I was gonna say it's they didn't do the sequels until like right around ninety or so. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, eighty nine and ninety, I guess. <clears throat> So yeah, that is, uh, so he's got a hoverboard, but that eventually smacks it on a rock, so. Well, yeah, cause uh, anyway. Going to go, the, the shuttle is coming down and they want a good view, so they have to go to Lookout Mountain. Yes. And uh, it's time for the first of two Stan Bush tracks, and my hot take is that it is the superior of the two. Oh, it's not a hot take, I it agree. is the better one. <laughs> We're all in agreement. <laughs> Dare yeah, but is you're like, that's not a hot take. That's settled law. Yeah, the touch is kind of the one everyone remembers, though, because uh, it's the one that's well, in um, Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights, sung by Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Well, also, because it's just got... When it is used, there's more emotional impact. Yes. It, it's it's not... used for Optimus Prime. People already knew Optimus Prime. Yeah. Yeah, it's not... As good a standalone song, but it's a better, like, uh, the touch is used better. I mean, this is used really well in the movie, yeah. but yeah. Well, because the, the touch is used it's, for- The touch is just like an iconic moment. Yeah, it's it's an action moment. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's more about being on top of things. You're the best, you're the peak, you're the tippy top and various other 80s songs. Um, but whereas Dare, it's more touch. inspirational. It's more energetic. You gotta try harder. It's fun. <laughs> and I, I will say that Dare is used excellently in the first season of Glow on Netflix. Yes. Ooh, I need to watch that. I still need to watch that. Uh, it's during a training montage. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. Right. I mean, it, it is the better song, but. So anyway, they get to. The touch is, is used more dramatically. They get to Lookout Mountain, they notice that there is a hole in the damn shuttle, and it is indeed full of Decepticons. 
So what is so the first thing they... Hot Rod does? Also... He starts shooting. Yep. <laughs> Though, okay, there there is a moment this, again, is very beautifully animated. Uh, so they see there's there's something going on. Uh, Daniel gets on his little hoverboard and he hits a rock. And as he goes flying off the hoverboard to crack his skull open... Uh, fortunately, Hot Rod is there to scoop him up and then, you know, transform into car mode and end up with him, the seat. Which, in one of the, like... I don't know. He has four different transformation styles in this movie. Each time he yes. transforms is different. Yes, there is there is that. Uh, and it's just very nice. And then they, like, blow by Cup, who's, you know, trying to direct some kind of construction work Turbo Turbo Revan, Revan, young, young punk, punk street yeah, this is yeah. interest to Cup, who is the old manniest of Transformers. <laughs> He's so yeah. old, Manny. It's Even great. With, like, like ratchets in, in animated and prime, Cup still out old mans them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so anyway, the Decepticons burst out of the shuttle, and the big fight scene is on. Also, the, this is where Hot Rod gets the little visor thing that they put on his toys occasionally. Yeah, everybody's got, everybody's got all sorts of doodads and such in this, well, yeah, uh, well, in this movie. Th- they did that in the, the original, the, the um, what is it, three or five-parter? Yeah, more, uh, than, more than meets the, the eye. eye. Yes. Yeah, they had geegaws and doodads and laser axes and shit back then. It's just the rest of the series kind of forgot that shit. But the movie yes. remembers because it was written at the same time, basically. Yeah. Or right after. Why they've got all the... F- like first year toys and the third year, but they don't really have anybody from the second year. Nope. Yeah, and also you've got the you've got the uh, constructicons and the Dinobots really prominent, but uh, no, for instance, aerial bots or stunticons. No, you get a, you get some insecticons. Devastator is definitely treated like the only combiner. Yeah, yeah, he's the big wrecking ball. Yeah. They use. Yes, the Attack yes. on Autobot City. Which, again, is beautifully animated and very dramatic. Oh, I, I love and, the Attack and, on Autobot City song. It's so good. Yeah. So we were introduced to our Autobot caster. We got Ultra Magnus, who is kind of like Optimus Prime's second in command, sorta. Well, his, yeah, his, I mean, he's called City, city commander, commander, and this is really the closest he comes to ever actually being a city commander. Yeah. Is he's in, city. in charge of this on, yeah. basically, while all the Autobots are off on Cybertron. He's like the mayor of Metroplex. Yeah. Although Metroplex <laughs> never ma- referred okay, to not- as Metroplex no. here and never actually transforms. Plus it's a, it's also oh, more okay. He's the mayor of Autobot City. Yeah. Yellow, gold, orange, it's not Metroplex colored. But then sometimes it turns white. Well, bits of it are it, it yeah, well animation. It, it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> you got uh you got Blur who is the guy who talks very fast. Yes. He doesn't talk very fast, got, very fast. He just talks normally, like he's from New York City. It's very easy to understand what he's saying. Every you can't even understand his words. I got. I, I feel the strange urge to buy some micro machines now. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's weird. I, I wish I could remember a micro machines commercial to recite. Anyway, uh, you got Perceptor, who was previously on the cartoon. He is the nerd. <laughs> yeah, he is pretty much the only one. He and Blaster. Oh yeah, Blaster is the, here. Ooh. Are the well? No, you don't see Blaster yet. No. Uh, but uh, Perceptor and Blaster are really the only season two characters who show up here, and 
They're featured fairly prominently in Act 1, at least. Yeah, they had big toys. But I guess maybe that's it. They had large toys. They weren't, like, just part of the regular series. They were sort of standalone toys. So maybe... Were they Microman toys? I I think so. Or at least they started their design cycle as Microman toys, because microscope and another boombox. But I guess they weren't Diaclone toys. Because the ones that we don't see here are the ones who were the diaclone toys. Mm-hmm. So maybe that has something to do with, you know, where Hasbro was in the process of licensing yeah. tracks and all of them. Right. Uh, so maybe they had Perceptor and Blaster and all that secured at this point, but they hadn't like, didn't know enough about what they were going to do with all the cars and stuff to, to put them in here. But also, as I think we have established on uh, on our podcasts previously, I think Perceptor is the most adorable thing ever. <laughs> and I really love how everyone in this movie is just so tired of him. <laughs> just... I mean, he's doing the sort of cartoon scientist. Oh, well, you know, if we uh, de- decombobulate the... Uh... This, uh, this contraption, then we can confabulate, uh, Perceptor. What do you mean? Uh, we should move over there. <laughs> yes. And it's great because he's adorable. Anyway, we've also got, um, RC, who is a girl. <gasps> what? What? And is the first- Cybertron doesn't have those except for that one episode. Yeah, we've seen some, but she's the first one who's actually a permanent member of the cast, but that Ooh. still wasn't enough to get her a toy. Also, yeah. they don't- mention they don't mention it so much but it does kind of feel like it's not really acknowledging that there were also some i don't know i i feel like maybe if this had been done later she might have actually been one of the female characters from season two Mm -hmm. but i definitely feel like she was you know, in the production of this before they actually did the search for Alpha Trial. Yeah. yeah which goes along with everything else about the production timeline. Yeah, well, well the production timeline of this movie, well, you hit the point when you see RC, it's like, oh, someone saw Star Wars and wrote the script. Yeah. <laughs> because she's got yeah, Princess Leia buns and uh, Springer's kind of Han Solo-y. Yeah, we got... Now, I never... I, I will say that I, I went through a period at one point of extreme nerdery in the past where I would, like, actually dug up lots of old reviews, like, contemporary reviews of Transformers the movie, and they were not kind. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that generally came up was calling it a Star Wars clone. Which, it, it's not exactly which is a Star Wars clone. entirely fair. But it borrows enough of that movie. You have a giant death weapon planetoid, you have Princess Leia buns, you have a hero's journey, you have, there's a lightsaber training scene later. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, the, uh, yeah, we got RC voice, or sorry, um, RC is voiced by Susan Blue of, uh, a lot of other stuff, and also voice director on Beast Wars, and she gets killed by Jason in, uh, Friday the 13th, part 7, The New Blood. Yes. She is uh the first she and Springer, uh like I, I kinda mentioned earlier, are the new characters I think they're like the only new characters who aren't like I mean, I guess Roger Carmel isn't in the credits, uh, but he is someone who, you know, people have heard of, uh like, who wasn't pr- earlier in the sh- like 
Actually, I think he was- Casey Kasem and Scatman Crothers were in G1. You know, they were in season one already, yeah. so presumably that's why they didn't get headliner status. Uh, but yeah, Roger Carmel doesn't get headliner status. Actually, I think Roger Carmel, he, he's Motormaster or something, actually. Oh. Uh, so he was so in season two. He was established already. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Paul Eating and Buster Jones, uh, Perceptor and Blaster. So they did at least have them cast enough at that point to have the same voice actors, uh, as they do in the series. And, but yeah, uh, Arcee and Springer are notable for being new characters who just have like stock voice actor community people. Uh, Susan Blue, you know what I'm gonna say. You know I'm gonna say it. Uh, Susan Blue was in, uh, she was in Gem, uh, and also she is a noted lesbian. <laughs> She's on my team. <laughs> which is, which is part of my argument for, for G1RC, or even like IDW, just RC being a lesbian icon. RC needs well, to be a lesbian IDWRC. icon. Uh. Also IDWRC, but also just G1RC, but. My point is, she's on my team. Uh, and Springer is Neil Ross, uh, yes. who was in, like, he's Centurion. A, well, he's, a, he's a shipwreck in uh, on G.I. Oh. Joe. Oh. And wow. he was uh, Norman Osborn in both Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends and uh, 90s Fox Spider-Man. Huh. Ooh. Well, there you go. Sadly, not doing a Jack Nicholson impression as Springer. No. <laughs> no. More... Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's very Harrison Ford. Anyway, and various action-y stuff happens during here. Devastator combines. Um, Starscream Star gets his foot, like, jammed in, like, a closing thing and has to blow it oh, off. Oh, my foot! Oh, that scene. Ah, <laughs> uh, the... Poor whiny Starscream. <laughs> Hot Rod and Cup drive over a bunch of Insecticons. Oh, yeah, they're not in the way, they're our Wrong. way in. Wrong, they're our way in. Smushes one uh, of their little heads. Oh. At some point, they have to like push a giant ass missile cannon or something. It's a cr like a yes, cross or, um, Springer. That's no. it's like isn't a that the I've got better things to do tonight than die. That's the I've got better things to do tonight than die. Giant yeah, better things to do today than die. Oh, in that scene, we see Dead Wheel Jack. Ah, uh, uh, and uh, and Dead Wind. Hot Charger. Rod comes in and he's yeah, trying to push it. Hot Rod is trying to push it, and Daniel is trying to push it oh, because he's tiny, he's so it's it's cute. And then Springer and RC are like, yeah, you're useless. Get out of here. We're going to push this. Uh, and that's the... One of my favorite characters dying off screen. I, I don't like that Wheeljack death there. Uh, Aww. That's the I've got better things to do tonight than die moment. Uh, I, I have been told that it's really obnoxious trying to talk to me when I've got this on. <laughs> uh, because I'll just like be lip syncing the dialogue yeah. <laughs> mid conversation it's unnerving <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah there's things are going pretty bad for uh the autobots yeah until... uh, Lester sends out a message that uh they're oh, right. really taking and... a pounding because literally <gasps> rumble and frenzy are pounding on the roof of the little tower he's on and then and then there's a big cassette fight yes cassette fight we yes! get new cassettes 
who don't get voices because they're just animals and, mostly. You know, well, there's two dudes and the two Autobot animals. cassettes weren't even in season two. The Autobot cassettes didn't show up until season three. That's right. And uh, Ratbat shows up for the first time here yes, as well. The, the appearance of Ratbat, he doesn't he doesn't even squeak or but, complain about oil. No, I mean on the resources. cartoon he's just like uh, he's just like Laserbeak. He's just like a bat. I know he doesn't. I, I wish he had dialogue. Oh, he's one of my favorite characters in the Marvel. And actually, movies. I think that in. I think in season three, I think maybe the Autobot cassettes all get voices. I think maybe like uh, Ramhorn and Steeljaw are talking. I think yeah, at talking, the very um, least in uh, Nightmare shit. Planet, uh, maybe. No, um, no, it's the one where they go to the D and D world. Call the primitive. Like, oh uh, no, 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 um, no. I mean, maybe that one too, but that's not the oh, one I'm thinking it's of. The one where Grimlock's wearing the apron. What is that one? What? Yeah. I don't remember the apron. Oh no! They, they, yeah, they go to like a weird like D and D world. They fight like a guy, who, or they end up freeing like a guy who's like alien Jesus. What? Yeah, but he's a Quintesson. Well, no, they're no. The, I've the... forgotten an episode, <laughs> or maybe I blocked it out. <laughs> now I gotta look that up at least, <laughs> like. <laughs> I can at least go to a, a list of season three episodes. Madman's Paradise. Oh, yeah. Wait. Okay. I th- okay, I'm confusing with the title of that. And they're like a bunch of wooden robots. Yeah. And the and the anyway the guy like there's an evil wizard who's also a Quintesson. Oh. But that's like the most. That's really the most uh, Autobot cassette episode. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. And I think they do actually get to talk. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, there's a big cassette fight, but and but things are going pretty bad for the Autobots until uh, Optimus Prime drops in with the Dinobots. Dinobots I, literally drop. I have to say, four though, of the, the Dinobots. The cassette fight is really, really good. <laughs> the cassette fight is so good, guys. Yeah, because they're cute. like <laughs> they 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 do they. They crush it, they open up, you know, they break open the glass of the, like, little communication place. And then they're, like, tiny and, like, Rav- like Perceptor is there and has to, like, pull Ravage off his back. <laughs> He's got, like, run, Blaster, save yourself, which is more just making fun of Perceptor for being the nerdy one who can't, is terrified of fighting off these cassettes. <laughs> But yeah, and then Blaster sends out his cassettes and, and, okay. I just, I, I really love that little fight. It's really good. Anyway, Optimus Prime. So Optimus Prime gets in, he drops in with four or sometimes five of the Dinobots. (laughs) Uh, It's four Dinobots. We uh... only see Snarl in one shot inside, um, the cockpit of a later spaceship, I think. Yeah. Poor Snarl. Yeah. Aww. He just wanted to be in this movie. So there's a pretty cool Dinobot Devastator fight in which we get a brief, like, weird cartoon eyeball shot of Sludge. Yeah, which (laughs) it felt like it was out of a Gundam cartoon, that gag. It's definitely where the animators are having a little fun with this. Which actually is a thing that that happens in in an episode of Gundam where in the jungle of Jaburo, where a snake does that literal same thing with the eyeballs. It's like, what the fuck? Ugh. Animators like to do that. I was going to say it was a very, like, horror sort of, I don't know. It's funny, but but it, it's weird when Sludge pops his eyeballs out. It's weird when it's in a, 
a context like this that is not normally animated that way. Yeah. Anyway, so Optimus Prime gets out, um, decides that Megatron must be stopped, no, no matter, matter the cost, the cost. Uh. and then it's to uh, keep an eye on his dialogue because you're going to be hearing it for the next thirty years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I hate it when it's used everywhere. One else. shall stand, one shall fall. But I will recite it along with the movie while watching the movie because it's fun in the yes. movie. So the, uh, the, the touch starts playing and. Do, 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 do. You got the touch. Do, do. You got the power. I, I know there, I have engaged in occasional, yeah. uh, just like pick up acapella performances of Dare at BotCon before, which is pretty great. So Prime heads anyway. to the city and he just starts kicking Decepticon ass all over the place. Yeah, he just rolls out. It's really good. The, the animation. The There's a pretty great shot where you just see. Hero shots. Uh, I think it's the most exciting thing th- uh, Thrust ever did. Yeah. Where you just see <laughs> him reflected <laughs> in Prime's reflected grill. In grill that... And it just gets run the hell over. Such yes. a good scene. Uh, uh, feature this, quality I mean, animation. It does make really good use of that song. Yes. And then Prime and Megatron just start quoting dialogue at each other, and they have a big fight. And they're just, weirdly, Megatron's just pulling stuff out all over the place. Yeah, I guess he's got like a lightsaber. Well, he finds the, doesn't he find the lightsaber on the ground? I think he, no, he had the lightsaber. He finds a gun on the ground. Yeah, the gun was the The lightsaber just comes out of nowhere. He just has a lightsaber. Again, somebody saw Star Wars. I mean, why wouldn't he? Possibly a, um, this is possibly a reference to the movie's director, Nelson Shin, who I think worked for Lucasfilm in the 70s and came up with the <laughs> lightsaber noise. Oh. Huh. Or it's, it may just be like RC's head and just, we like, <laughs> we like Star Wars. What? Also they, possible. Star Wars wasn't the first ones to do laser swords. They just made it cooler. I think he came up with the noise. Ah. Uh-huh. Which, uh, in Star Wars books is often described as the sound of ripping silk. Which, okay. <laughs> Why? I mean, it's hard to describe that noise, but I don't think ripping silk do you, is it. Do you rip up a lot of silk? Yeah, I, it's mean, like, who I knows guess. That, that, what that sounds like. <laughs> Shit's expensive, man. Yeah. So yeah, they they have a big fight. There, all manner of quotable dialogue is happening. So much quotable dialogue, <laughs> and then Hot Rod ruins everything. Yeah, because he's <laughs> Prime's got Megatron on the ropes. Hot Rod kind of like Megatron's about to draw a gun. Hot Rod blunders in. Megatron takes him hostage, and then just uses this to. Oh just no, you don't, Megatron! Shoot the hell out of Optimus Prime. But Megatron is so beat up at this point that they just have to, like, carry him back to Astro Train as the Decepticons are retreating. Prime, even after getting stabbed in the side, shot in the side, Prime still manages to double axe handle Megatron off a cliff. It's the old Shatner punch. (laughs) Yes. And uh, I, I love that when he's be I think it's Soundwave who's carrying him back to yeah. Astro Train. It's either Rumble or Frenzy who's yes. carrying his detached fusion cannon behind him. Yes! Adorably carrying so it on. It's, it's one of the cutest shots. 
Anyway, they they all they all pile into Astro Train, who is um questionably They're... roomy between scenes. <laughs> it's the biggest this he's is... ever been. Well, at one point they have to like slouch to get in him, but then later in the movie, Devastator forms inside him. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of TARDIS jokes made about yeah. him in early fandom. And man, did you have to be a nerd to make TARDIS jokes in the eighties? Yeah. Then watching like PBS well, the at 90s, midnight. at least, but yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was definitely in the PBS at midnight era. Anyway, so, so they take off and Optimus Prime is not doing so great. And, uh, this is about the time when I think a third of the audience, uh, started to flee in tears. <laughs> Cause we just get like an Optimus Prime, like, just spends like the next five minutes dying. I don't remember if I, I might have cried the first time, but I will say that I feel like this had a lot of impact on my storytelling. This was a big influence on my storytelling <laughs> because I was just like, this is so many feelings. <laughs> oh my God. And, and from what I can recall, like Cullen's really good in this scene. Yes. Do not grieve. Soon I shall be one with the Matrix. And all of us who had ever been only watching. So the Matrix had come up in the comics before, but for cartoon people, it's like the what now? Yeah. (laughs) And it turns The Hawa? I can't remember exactly what it looks like in the. It it basically looks like this in the comic from what i can recall it's like a disco well, ball with like a like a holder with like handles yeah well in the comic comic in the adaptation of the movie comic it first looks like a pineapple yes mmm <laughs> pineapple but yeah matrix is like wait what the fuck is a matrix what movies so have it's, you it's seen like in the gl- future it doesn't entirely explain what it is in this movie but it's a glowy yeah. thing prime has it in his chest and it goes to the next leader, which he says will be Ultra Magnus, even though Ultra Magnus is all, eh. Like, I'm... I'm uh, not worthy. I'm yeah. just a soldier prime. I'm not worthy. And so in case you didn't figure out how this movie was going to end, he kind of drops it, and then it ends up being caught by Hot Rod, which who makes it, like, glow. Yes, it, like... we're we're definitely doing a chosen one thing what, in this And movie. then Hot Rod's like, here you go, Magnus. Yeah. Okay, you, you could read it as a chosen one thing, or you could read it as... Whoever touches it next gets the power. It's an accident. (laughs) That's a fair point. It's it's like catching the bouquet at a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is what I want. Just a dying prime just chucking this into a crowd of randy bridesmaids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, what? Okay, so Megatron's fusion cannon is his garter belt then? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Sad music, so, everyone's crying, Prime turns gray, and it goes sort of silent, the dialogue's out, no, and no, no, Daniel's no, no. crying. Wait, that doesn't happen L- yet. Listen, I'm, I'm, no, I've, I haven't watched this uh, in a while, but I'm pretty sure he crumbles to dust. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, that, oh, that, the, the myths around this movie, that, that is one of the weirdest ones. It's understandable though, because, a scene, two scenes later, somebody does crumble to dust? Or was it like three scenes later? Three scenes, pretty much. There's that, and additionally, let's be honest, 
if you're watching this in the theater as a kid, you were not able to see the screen clearly. Yeah. I was. Through your tears. I didn't cry until I saw Godzilla in 1985. <laughs> anyway, anyway, good news, everybody. Nobody, uh, never again would children be traumatized by watching, like, what, what was ostensibly a kid's movie, in which a hero crumbles into dust until 2018. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, God, Ooh. too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Still too soon. I don't soon. feel so good, Ultra Magnus. Also, <laughs> a robot showing that he had perished by turning gray. Oh, that's uh, right. He does we, turn oh, gray. Oh, yeah. As we discussed back at our Infinity War episode. And, in fact, after a gem gets removed from him. Yeah. yeah. He turns gray, and then a bunch of people die by crumbling into dust. Ah. <laughs> uh. All right, so uh, so yeah, everybody's it's always too every, soon. everybody's very sad. We cut back to the Decepticons, and Astro Train is all. Listen, it's been a long fight, and you guys are all too fat. You got to chuck somebody out. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand astrophysics and, and conservation energy and how space energy works. Astro Train physics. And it needs to be lighter so I can go faster. That's no. That's no. That's not kind of how shit works in deep space. Once you're in deep space, uh I mean, they should say mass instead of weight, but whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the thing is, apparently he's burning through fuel too fast. But yeah, if they're in the void of space, then he doesn't need to be pushing against anything. You'll still get there. You'll just get there slower. Ah, physics. Listen, we wanted to, but Blitzwing has to pee. (laughs) Blitzwing isn't even there. Is he in this movie at all? No. Yes, he is. He is? He is Wait. in this movie. There is that oh, bit where, like, right. Cup is, like, doing Cup acrobatics spins. on his I tank I forgot turret. about that. But, yeah, but he gets blowed up or something. <laughs> no, he lives through the movie. He's yeah. a, a major player in Five Faces of Darkness. Well, yeah, but later. Yeah. But that, I think that's, like, his only scene. I forgot he He's was. in this movie. Man, okay, we he, need he to, has a line. We need to watch Five Faces of Darkness one of these I think he says, like, uh, like, come on down, Otto Brat. Oh! <gasps> <laughs> Yes, and then he transforms really dramatically, and then, like... Yes, so he is in this movie. Cup gets up on top of him and pulls up his barrel and makes him shoot, like, one of the Insecticons. Because he's weirdly limber Uh, for an old guy. I remember the barrel part. I forgot that was Blitz. That was really good. That was Brawl for some reason, but Brawl's not in the movie. Anyway, it's been two years since I've seen the movie. (laughs) Oh, that's the point. I mean, listen, I remember De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. I don't know what you expected me to forget. (laughs) Anyway, back on Astro Train, fun yeah, scene. So where they start I had arguing. to resist the urge to quote Perceptor's line from Prime's death scene, so that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Well, now, now I get to quote scenes because they they start arguing about who gets thrown off and eyes and oh, nay. But do they have Perceptor in them? I only no, care if it's got Perceptor. No, but they have whiny Skywarp, who's like my favorite deco of the Seekers. Like, gets chucked out along with everybody else. And it's like, then of course Starscream picks up and carries gently Megatron to the door and chucks him. <laughs> Wait, I still function. Wanna bet? That's gonna get quoted again. Oh, I, okay, that's a line I want quoted more. Also, I like the Decepticon cassettes uh, not being familiar with the word charismatic. Oh, uh, that's that's next. Because first we, we have yes, to chuck because, oh, that's right. first because they have to it, chuck him out. Okay, we're Decepticons. We just chucked our leader out the window. It's time for us to fight over who will be the next leader of the Decepticons. It's time for a battle royale. Yes, yes. and of course the uh, Starscream says he should be leader. 
Um, well, he starts it, but, well, he but starts, kind of lets everybody starts. else start fighting with each other. Starscream, for one of the rare moments of him being a genius, like after he starts it, I should be the leader, he lets everybody else fight over it until they beat the shit out of each yeah, other. Because Soundwave also wants to be the leader. Well, well yeah, and, and then Hook is like, who wants an uncharismatic boar like that? Who you call an uncharismatic? No one calls Soundwave uncharismatic. <laughs> And we also get in here Soundwave Superior, Constructicon's inferior, inferior, which is definitely quoted repeatedly. And Devastator <laughs> starts to form inside Astro Train, but somehow Rumble and Frenzy knock him down before he can finish. Isn't that, we haven't gotten there yet, but isn't that like basically the one line Prime Soundwave has in his own yes, voice? Yes, it is. That's <laughs> like Soundwave Superior, uh, Autobots yeah. Inferior. And and somehow, yeah. sound, uh, despite being out of fuel, um, Astrotain is remarkably sanguine about the guys fighting a, a battle to the death inside his ass. Yeah, you know, I shake I him. have a theory that I literally just came up with right this moment. Uh, did Astrotrain actually say that he was low on fuel, or was it just that? Because Starscream comes out and like announces. Yeah, he he. Starscream comes comes out. Astro Train has no, requested no, no. that we lighten our yeah, burden. Yeah, but before that, he definitely has a line. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, basically, better... what I'm saying is that Starscream make it made it all. I'm up saying for maybe Starscream has the power of super ventriloquism. <laughs> maybe. Hey, I say we should follow Starscream. He's right. <laughs> but no, um. It's something like, uh, you know, better loot jettison some weight or I'll never make it back to Cybertron. Yeah. Okay. Additional proposal. Starscream talked Astro Train into it. Also possible. Which is why it makes no sense because he doesn't expect that anyone else on board is going to understand physics well enough to counter that argument. Yes. And that's. Soundwave apparently wasn't superior. He didn't get it. And that's Astro Train voiced by Jack Angel. Um, who I think is still alive. And Jack Damn. Jack Angel. Possibly best. Jack Angel, he sounds like a detective. Pretty much. And Nick Valentine? Possibly best yeah. known as the uh that weird little demon priest in Beetlejuice. <gasps> oh Dearly beloved. I love Beetlejuice. Uh, I guess he was also uh, he was also Hawkman on uh, Super Friends. I don't <laughs> oh, and he's the he's either. the teddy bear in uh, AI. Sure, there was a teddy bear in that Great. movie. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a sort of a major character. It's well, yeah, they sold a toy yeah. of it that I did I terribly saw that and movie. probably isn't even it's worth anything. Crazy. Nobody liked that movie. No, it's, it's so yeah. long. Anyway, speaking of this other robot movie, which is a trim, like, 86 minutes. Uh, is it that? I thought it was 140. I, it's, or, no, an hour and 40. It can't be much over an hour and a half. With credits. Uh, let's see. 90, oh no, wait, sorry, no, that's, that's the, what do I do? Gotta find this. This is the one thing I'm looking up. <laughs> no, Transformers the movie is definitely an hour and 85 a half. Eighty-five minutes. You mean AI is oh, like one hundred and forty okay. minutes? Oh, like or AI is like friggin' three hours, and it has like five <laughs> different endings. It's maddening. Yeah, Transformers the movie is like half of that. Anyway, so these guys are just all drifting the hell in space, 
and they come across Unicron, who is now speaking with the voice of noted thespian Orson Welles. With a lot of reverb. And he's like, hey, Megatron, your shit is wrecked, but listen, you, uh, I will give you a new body, a new troops command if you bring me (laughs) the Matrix, which I'm conveniently mentioning is the one thing, the The only only thing thing that can destroy me. As opposed to, I don't know, may I could just tell you that it's the one thing that I would like to have. (laughs) That I just really think it it's pretty so you don't inevitably but... betray me <laughs> <laughs> and Megatron says oh, no, no screw you and he's all and you guys are well fine then I'll just vaporize you or something with my like red energy yeah, he's, he's uh says uh like I'll give you a new body and new troops to command he goes and and nothing. nothing you belong to me now I belong to nobody. <laughs> also, that that and nothing. Like anytime anyone says and to me, <laughs> uh. <laughs> like someone did that at work the other day. <laughs> like and nothing. Oh, and so I, anyway, I forget he, uh... the exact wording of the line. Like something about Unicron is like, uh, oh no, Megatron planes that no one summons me or something. No one summons Megatron. Unicron's happy. Then, oh, it, then pleases it pleases me to, to be, be the, the first. first. Uh, I... uh, Unicron is such a god in this. Like, he's not yeah. actually established as being a god and certainly god, in the cartoon continuity, he's not a god, but he sure acts like a god. He's like very much a Star Trek god being. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he pretty much is. Like, I'm Wrong Star Trek cat, wrong Star Trek player, but I'm pretty sure Patrick Stewart is just off screen. We're not your puppets, Unicron! Well, the, the original <laughs> one had, well, okay, Next Generation had Q, but the original show had umpteen different god beings trying to yeah, take over the ship for reasons that never made sense. We're just fucking Yeah, I mean, he's less the kind of god being who's kind of trying to dick around with you and more like, like, uh, that evil pit of goop that ate Tasha Yar. Yeah. Oh, too soon. Which was uh, also voiced by a Transformers voice actor. I think the guy who voiced Breakdown. Huh. One of the one of the Stunticons, huh. anyway. So okay. anyway, some rando Stunticon. Yeah. Should so, be Motormaster is nothing but motor oil. Well, that was Roger Carmel, who was already on Star Trek. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Harry Mudd, which means that, of course, whenever I read more than meets the eye, I read uh, the new Cyclonus as Rain Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still kind of hear him as Roger Carmel. A- anyway, the controversial scene of who ends up as Cyclonus happens. Uh, I don't. It, listen, they're a bunch of seekers. They're a bunch of also uh, insect cons. Another, there may be another moment that completely. that regularly gets stuck in my head. Uh, not not at work as much now as it used to back when I worked technical support. Uh, but <laughs> I accept I your accept. terms. I accept. <laughs> Every time I click on a, a EULA, every time I click on <laughs> Terms of Service, <laughs> every time I hear that in my head. And we get, this is, I, I could just kind of love the, like, weird blueprints we get of the uh, various guys here. Oh, yeah, that's neat. Oh, yeah. I think this, is this at all computer-assisted at all? Or no. Could they, is this all, like, hand-drawn? It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been at this point, like, um, what was the... I mean, I don't know, Tron was it. It was? Uh, yeah, I guess, but... Yeah, but it, that was yeah. expensive. Well, that's just I mean, even, easier. 
complicated. Okay, I was going to bring up the Hitchhiker's Guide BBC series and how all the computer stuff in that was actually hand-drawn, but that doesn't count because <laughs> their budget was like $5 touching. and I can't Speak, tuna. Speaking of Midnight on PBS. Yeah. 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 Man. Midnight on PBS. I miss Midnight on PBS. Now it's all like oh, Midsummer look, Murders. Look at this tote bag with the face of, I don't know, Red Dwarf. <laughs> I don't remember what else I, mean, I watched. Red Dwarf is the guy, but anyway. PBS other than Doctor Who. <laughs> and that, um... Anyway, time for the new bad guy toys. <laughs> you got uh, uh, Cyclonus the Warrior and his armada of one guy. Of one guy who disappears in future <laughs> scenes. Who occasionally people like to say is just called Armada. Yeah, he never shows up again. No. Well, um, got, uh, there's only ever the one Cyclonus after there's this. There's like three more of them in a shot when they get the ship, but that's the only other time we see him. Get, uh, yeah. Not in like the series afterwards, unlike Scourge and Scourge, his Scourge, the hunter, and his huntsman, the sweeps. And they... Who we do see regularly in yes. season three. Also, related to what I was saying earlier about voice actors, the one notable thing about the characters like Cyclonus or RC or Springer is that they do at least get to keep their voice actors into season three. Yes. Uh, Roger Carmel stayed with it until he died, yeah. I believe, uh, which I believe we talked about back when we did Rebirth, yes. because I think that was the the only posthumous cyclonus stuff i think so yes where he was recast so and uh and stan jones was scourge and he kept doing his thing too yes uh but uh speaking of voice actors who get replaced megatron is now galvatron voiced by leonard nimoy yay yay and, and i'm sure they were just sounding all and gravelly yeah. and evil. oh yeah he, he is he is straight up evil spock yeah He's definitely mirror universe Kinda here. It's a shame they didn't give him like a robot goatee, cause, um, Scourge has oh, a beard. that would have yeah. been amazing. Like an evil Spock Yeah, he's beard. got like a Fu Manchu. Scourge is rocking a Fu Manchu. I've, I've always kind of loved Galvatron's design and his purple and orangeness. Yeah. Yes. It's a shame the toy was gray. Yeah. And I'm sure they were, you know, they just sort of patted Welker around the back saying, okay, listen, you know, we're, well, Nimoy's gonna do half the movie. You're back for season three, baby. Well, that, and you're like 15 I mean, it's other not people like in the movie. Frank Welker never did anyone. Yeah, you know, take yeah. take the day off, work on your Spock impression. We'll see you in a month. <laughs> it's not like he had to take the day off. He still needed Even to be Soundwave yeah, and the cassettes <laughs> and, <laughs> like, probably the Autobot animal cassettes yeah. and, like, oh, a dozen probably other doing this, Probably doing a couple Scooby-Doo's next door. Just reminds me, like... I recently rewatched the the clip of Frank Welker making lion roars for the Lion King by roaring into a bucket. Oh, <laughs> it's great to see him do great. it live. It's like okay, yeah, like we could have like gone to the zoo and recorded actual lions, but we got Frank Welker in a bucket. He's already so. here. Yes. We got a microphone ready. We've got a microphone and a trash can. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh. Anyway, so yeah, they're uh, they also get a new ship, and they're off to Cybertron. A a quick pointless question: Does that count as voice work or foley work? Ooh, that is a good. I'm going to say voice work. I think foley is just stuff. I think if you're using your vocal I cords, see. it's voice work. That's but fair. it's animal foley, so 
I think that would count as. I mean, I'm not I don't sure. Know. I think I, I think foley is specifically a thing. Well, yeah, but but like all the animal noises, that might be that might be why Welker gets so much work because he just his animal noises count as foley. That's possible. That's possible. Although, I and mean, how do you do? You ter- what if an animal is a character? They have dialogue. Mm. Like, like if you're if you're like Ms. Lion on um, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, is that a character? Or is that fully work? Probably would be character because that's a lot of work in, in every episode. If you're just doing oh, and when uh, actually it is voice work because when uh, Welker is on The Simpsons, they credit him with the rest of the voice cast. Ah, and he's just okay. animals. Like he's just like Santa's oh, little helper or whatever. Credited as well, no. If he's credited as specific animals, but if he's credited as general animal noises, I think there might be mm. a difference. That would probably be. I think there'll be other additional voices. Ah, maybe. Okay. Although now, what now? What if you were a guy who did sound effects with your mouth, like that guy from Police Academy? <laughs> yeah, I think that legitimate question, man. Mm. Right. Send us a letter, Michael Winslow. Well, he's just doing the sound effects and not voicing it. <laughs> that, that would fall into sound. I don't know. Foley work. Maybe that's usually just not done with the mouth. You're messing with weird implements on wooden yeah, floors. You're, and you're like punching bags yeah, you're like of rice. Stabbing into cabbages and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, apparently Starscream somehow won this leadership like battle. I said, and he let everybody else beat the shit out of each other. Yes. And then yeah, he went straight to wardrobe because <laughs> he is rocking shoulder pads, a cape, and a crown. He had those ready. That's uh, why they were going back to so Cybertron. Good. He has yes, them. In a, he was ready. A trophy case in his room on Cybertron. <laughs> he just had them in like a trunk that he kept hidden from everywhere, else, from everyone else. And, and at night, sometimes he'd just take it out and stroke the cape and go soon. And the trumpets were ready. And, uh, and it's a good yes. thing too because a bunch of them are playing be- being played by the Constructicons, several of whom have no mouths. Most of them, I, there's only, I think there's only two Constructicons <laughs> with mouths. They make do, like um, Hook and yeah, but one of the others. Motor I think there's apparently a scene in one of the UK comics, and it's some like joke sort of scene where there's like some of them I think it was probably a holiday one where they're like standing around with like champagne glasses <laughs> or something and one of them is one of the Constructicons and like someone wrote into the letters page asking how he would drink without a mouth and I think the answer was he manages. <laughs> I think perhaps the stranger thing on the uh, UK comics is a sound- scene where Soundwave spits at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe it opens in the middle. No, you see it. It's just somehow coming out of his faceplate. What? It's porous. <laughs> oh wow! I never thought that bits. It of the does. That is where that's where that sound effect. But does comes he from. say "put up"? Because that's. I think he's spitting at Donnie Finkelberg, <laughs> the see. robot master. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be in the U.S. I don't. No, know. No, he was also in the U.K. comics. Whoa. Oh, he was in some stories there that he had not an additional appearance there. Oh wow! <laughs> I, a couple That's of the uh, human characters. I know there are some circuit breaker appearances in the UK too. Huh. Okay. But no, I think yeah, it, it's definitely Soundwave and Donnie Finkelberg, the Robot Master, based on real life <laughs> Marvel editor. Uh, what is his name? Oh, Danny Let's just say Jim Shooter. 
Which no, Danny one? Fingeroth, who looked ah. exactly like okay. the Robot Master. <laughs> and I remember reading a thing from uh, current Marvel editor Tom Brevoort, who came in like when those guys were sort of established, and they were like rivals. Mm-hmm. Like him and uh, Buddy Ansky. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And so he wrote him in a somewhat insulting fashion into the uh, book. <laughs> Apparently the mechanic was based on actual guy, too. Huh. Oh. And uh, Circuit Breaker was, was based on a Marvel a colorist mechanic? who had that haircut. <laughs> oh. But presumably a more modest fashion sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that would be Janet, Ms. Jackson, if you're nasty, Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that Janet Jackson. I assume. Anyway, so... Uh, was she a lesbian? Because that's a pretty lesbian haircut. It was the 80s. Uh, straight women also had those oh, haircuts. Oh, yeah, in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, occasionally. It was like, um, what's her name? Anyway, Coronation. Yeah. <laughs> Coronation? Coronation, Starscream? This is a bad pool maintenance. <laughs> oh, that was unfortunate. Anyway, so they're in this super cool looking like Decepticon Hall of Memorial or something. Where they're a bunch you know, of like golden... previous Decepticon leaders that yes, we've never they're seen all like, before. That all look like just like weird golden monsters. Yeah. Misshapen. One guy just straight up looks like oh, the Floro Red Dairy. Skull. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Floro Dairy, like, designed, like, everything in this movie. It's all crazy looking. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so he's having this coronation, uh, but just in time for Galvatron and his posse to show up. Uh, you know, coronation, Starscream is bad. He recognizes him as Megatron, and then Galvatron well, just... Well, he questions... He's not like, Megatron! Megatron? He's like, Megatron? So he's like, he suspects this may be Megatron. Yes, and his suspicions are confirmed when he transforms into cannon mode and straight up incinerates him. Oh, another piece of great animation, just the turning gray is crumbling to dust of stars. And, and like the, the, the cape is sort of tattering. Yeah, because that, that's not part of him. That's an animal. And the crown falls down. Oh, it's it beautiful fun. and terrible. And then Galvatron yeah. just steps on this crown. And crunches it. Aw, man. And then Poor because Star they're Tetracons, everybody immediately follows the guy who just murdered their last leader. Them's the yes. rules. Yeah, that's how it goes. Well, yeah, he asks if anybody else wants to go. Did anyone attempt then... to fill his shoes? Which I assume is and a joke rumble. because like his feet are the only thing that are left. <laughs> I never thought of that. And the Rumble Frenzy asked, "What was his name? What was Galvatron. his name again? What did he say his name was? Galvatron. Long live Galvatron!" So they are off to Earth. So I something that I've always kind of appreciated, or at least observed about this movie, is that in addition to being an hour and a half. It's in some very tidy, like, three-act sequence. Uh, so yeah. this is very clearly end of Act One, which comes right about at the 30-minute the, uh, mark. Yeah. Starscream's death sort of begins Act Two. And then we move along to umpteen different threads that wander about.
The Transformers will return after these messages.